Hey, you've reached Tyler. Sorry I can't come to the podcast right now. I'm in Florida looking for more surprise headlines and getting Sergey Bobrovsky to sign a six-by-six. For any time-sensitive concerns, please send me a tweet at VancouverBoys underscore, and I'll shotgun a twisted tea as soon as I can. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. The Vancouver Boys are the most entertaining sports cast in British Columbia. Steve Dangle here. I love the Vancouver Boys. It's the Vancouver Boys Podcast. Woo! Welcome back, everybody, to the Vancouver Boys Podcast. I am your host this week, Marcus Keller, joined, as always, by Jake Jude. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? And no one else. Nope. <laughs> Tyler, man, we miss you. Uh, he's not here. Uh, this is for Tyler. If you listen to this episode later, which yep. I mean, I'm sure he will. Right? Oh, of course. He'll, he'll, every, uh, he'll listen. Yeah. He doesn't hear enough of what we think, right? He, <laughs> yeah. he talks too much. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he can learn what we think. Uh, yeah, no, Tyler is unfortunately, uh, kept away with work. Uh, but we look forward to having him back very, very soon in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for today, you're going to have to deal with me and Jake. Yep. The weather in Victoria is cloudy. Oh, you so, checked on your phone? Yep. Okay. We'll have to ask <laughs> so, him later if that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we can't rely on no smartphone apps. No. We need on-the-ground coverage. <laughs> and their field reporter. Yeah. A lot of stuff to get through this week. We've got a full recap of the Stanley Cup Finals because last yes, week we also had no episode. Yeah. Sorry which, about that. Which, it feels weird. Mm-hmm. You know, we've missed, what, in the two and a half years we've been doing this, have we missed... Two and a half years? Or year and a half, year and a half. <laughs> in a year and a half, we've missed what? Two was weeks. that was that our third? That was our second. Was that only the second? That was only the second time we missed an episode. Yeah. Like yeah. Man, we we commit to this hard. We but do. Yeah, last week between Tyler's availability for work and yeah. I was dealing with a illness and you, you guys would not have liked listening to me last week. So <laughs> yeah. as much as you do every yeah. other week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh anyway. Lots to get through this week, but we will start off, as we always do, with our fake sponsor. And just to remind our listeners that the fake sponsor of the week is only a placeholder for a real sponsor, which we still think we might be able to get someday. This week's episode of the Vancouver Boys Podcast is brought to you by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Much like Obey Kubel, the Tampa Bay Lightning dropped the cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning... Still kind of terrifying. Was it Obi Kubel that dropped it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It was funny. It was like the last guy to skate around with it comes into the picture and just eats it. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. I remember yeah. seeing on TV too and going, is that dented? Yeah, oh yeah. And it was like, there was almost a debate in our living room because I watched it with my family and they were like, no, no, it must be the camera. And I was like, no. Yeah. He just dented it. Yeah. That was crazy. Well, you know what? In the dressing room after the game, I'm sure it got a lot more beaten up than just oh, yeah. a little dent on the bottom. I'm actually kind of surprised that's the first time that we've really like seen that happen. You know, yeah. Not just that it's dropped, but like even if a player like kind of pushes it up to the boards or something, because like he didn't hit it that hard on the ground, and the bottom like plastic part just like caved. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen a lot of really funny things happen to trophies in the past. Like, I think... One year, the ball came off the Lombardi Trophy, which is the the one for the um, the NFL, right? <laughs> so the, the, those trophies, I mean, they all get beaten up so much once they get one, but they put it back together. Well, you know, it's the it's the 
Is it the Campbell Trophy that the Western Conference wins in the NHL? It's Prince of Wales in the yeah, East. Yeah, the Clarence. Clarence Campbell. Yeah, Clarence Campbell. Yeah. So when the Canucks won that in 1994, mm-hmm. Trevor Linden picked it up, lifted it over his head, and the lid fell off. The, there's a lid on it? Yeah. So a lot, again, a lot of people don't know this. The top piece, like the big round cover, yeah. is, is a lid that at the time was not welded onto the rest of the trophy. <laughs> uh, sometime in the summer of 1994, they welded it. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> that was uh, that was quite funny, though. That's a pretty iconic moment in Canucks history. Just, I'll show you the video one time. It, it's funny. Okay. Look it up. Well, an iconic moment in Colorado Avalanche history will be Obey Kubel landing on the Stanley Cup and tenting it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that, man, that cup goes through hell. Every yeah. summer. Like, you have to think of what that thing must go through. Survived a summer with Ovi, so... I know. <laughs> I don't know if most human beings could do that. <laughs> Ovi barely does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. They found the cup at the bottom of swimming pools. It's oh, been yeah. left in nightclubs. <laughs> there, there's a famous picture of that, too. It's, like, under a DJ booth, and they grabbed it the next morning. Really? Yeah, like, the DJ saw it and was like, Holy shit, no one's watching that. <laughs> and it was like, someone's going to take that home. Yeah. So he put it under the DJ booth, and that's where they got it the next morning. That's funny. Yeah. I, for, <laughs> I forget what city or where that was. It just comes over the PA. Should somebody leave the Stanley Cup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same energy you'd give if, like, someone's blocking a parking space outside. <laughs> yeah. Anyone looking for a three-and-a-half-foot-tall chrome trophy with a black <laughs> bottom, uh, please report to the DJ booth. Yeah. <laughs> please report to the DJ booth. <laughs> and lift it over your motherfucking head! <laughs> <laughs> Just tosses it out into the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> the Stanley Cup is crowd surfing. Yeah. That one guy with the gray dome bowl haircut is watching it like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like it, imagine being that guy. Your whole job is to protect this thing and people just abuse it. <laughs> yeah, he's got the white gloves on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Phil Kessel's got greasy hot dog fingers and he's just palming the thing. <laughs> I never really did think about it that way, but it's true. Like, up until the point where they award the trophy, they handle that thing with, like, surgical care. Yeah. Like, it is... They, they use gloves. They kept in, like, a display case. Yeah, the case that it comes in is, like, all foam. It's, like, four feet <laughs> thick. Yeah. And it's then it's nuts. just fair game after that yeah. for three months, and then back in the case it goes. Do you think that guy, that the handler of the cup, he's always called... You think he's ever lifted it over his own head? Wait, he's called the cup handler? No, he's called, very specifically, the handler of the cup. Okay. Yeah. But do, do you think, like, so in private, like, he has there, more sure. un, like unrestricted access to this thing than anyone in the world. Do you think at some point he's grabbed this thing and lifted it over his head? No. You don't think so? He eh? hasn't earned it. No, 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 you're right. He hasn't earned it. But do you think he has enough restraint to not... How long could you be left alone with it, completely alone, and never do it? I would never touch it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid... So in 2009, I want to say, the Memorial Cup was in Vancouver. And so they brought the Memorial Cup. They brought the Conn Smythe. They brought the Stanley Cup. They brought a bunch of cups, right? Right. And they put them out in front of uh, Pacific Coliseum. And then all the fans could kind of come through and take their pictures with them. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever seen the cup. And I remember standing there and people were touching it. People were, you know, doing whatever, taking their pictures. And I went up to it with my dad and my grandpa. And they both looked at me and they said, don't touch that. Yeah. 
<laughs> and so, honestly, no, I would, uh, I would never lift it. But I think that's just because, like, I grew up playing hockey, and you know, like, and if if the if the cup handler or whatever he's called, yeah, uh, if he had any respect, he wouldn't lift it up because he hasn't deserved it. I, I I agree with you. I agree with you that like you you shouldn't unless you've won the thing or like you're the parent of someone who's won it or something. Mm-hmm. Like you were part of their journey, you don't lift it. I mm-hmm. I totally agree. I have touched it once or if it was, uh, it might've been a replica, but like, it was like the NHL like brought it in. It was yeah. like with the Rogers hometown hockey thing. Like it yeah, was yeah. real. And I went with my grandpa. It was at Coquitlam center. Yeah. And it was, it was just the two of us. We got early access cause we're season ticket members for the Canucks. So sure, we got yeah. to go in early and we go in, we're, we're in line. There's like five people. We finally get up there and I haven't said to him, like, you going to touch it? Like kind of mm-hmm. gave him like, Oh, you know, there's all that kind of curse around it. And he goes, honestly, he goes, I'm 79. (laughs) If this team ever wins it or doesn't win it, it's not going to be because I didn't cheer hard enough or I didn't try hard enough. And just like both hands grabs the sides of it is full on, like almost like getting fingerprints on it, like rubbing, like where players names are and stuff. Really? And so, yeah, anyway, we took a picture. We both put our hand on the back of it as if it was like a person. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, that's actually, I think that's my Facebook uh, profile picture. Oh, okay. is me and him doing that. I think I've seen that picture. Yeah. Yeah. But a- anyway, that, so I, I touched it cause I was like, you know what? I'm th- this moment is going to, I'm just going to do it. The Canucks haven't won the cup since, so. No, they haven't. They haven't won before either. (laughs) But no, we'd, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I could go that long without actually eventually lifting it. I I, Like, I I know I shouldn't, but there's just that, like, I don't know how to stop myself. You're saying if you were the cup fondler, you wouldn't? No, the handler. (laughs) (laughs) We need Tyler, man. No, No, in this situation, no, he'd only make it worse. Ah, You're probably right. Anyway, um, we should probably move on. We've got some real hockey to talk about. Yeah, if that wasn't enough uh, convincing for you to sponsor us, I don't know what will be. And uh, if you do want to sponsor us, you can always reach out to us by email at vancouverboyspodcast at iCloud.com. You can also find us on social media at Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at Vancouver Boys Podcast. And on Twitter, if you are really missing Tyler, you can go find him there at Vancouver Boys underscore. Now, usually this is the part of the show where we do the Canucks news, but you will have to forgive us. As you can tell, there's a theme to this episode so far. The Stanley Cup was awarded this week. So we're going to do the recap of the finals first, uh, just because that's breaking news. It only happens once a year. We're going to get the finals recap out of the way first. Uh, We'll talk about all that fun stuff, and then we will get to the rest of the show in a bit. But the Colorado Avalanche are 2022 Stanley Cup champions. I was so close. You were. Dude, your bracket was still unreal. <laughs> Appreciate that. Like you had what, including the finals, did you get three wrong or four uh, wrong? I think it was four. Uh, I got St. Louis, Colorado wrong. Right. I got the Battle of Alberta wrong. Uh, and then I got the Western Conference final and the Stanley Cup final. So that's four. Right. Yeah, but man, my that's, east, that's a good bracket. My east bracket was 100%, and then, yeah. Until the finals. Yeah. Wow, that's that's pretty good, though. Yeah, thank you. Um, I guess that also means that we now have a loser to our, uh, our bracket challenge. Yes, we do. And who lost? I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, my bracket 
would have been really good if Calgary didn't go and get eliminated. Yeah. And Florida. And Florida. Round. Yeah, my, if my Stanley Cup champions weren't eliminated, it would have been a pretty good bracket. And if Boston had made it out of the first round. Well, that's uh, one yeah. thing, though. That That's not really a big deal. But, yeah, no, the, the big killer there was Florida, who got knocked out in the second, and I had going all the way. So that was three series that were automatically just wrong. Yeah. I'd say the, the big thing with this year's playoffs for me is that we really didn't see too many big upsets. Like, no. I know a lot of people would point to um, Tampa beating Florida as being a big upset. Eh, not that much of an not, upset. No. They were very evenly tiered teams, or we thought they were before the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we really didn't see any big upsets this year, which is kind of sad because I think you always bank on seeing at least a couple. I think the only one that I really look back at and I feel like it was a huge upset was the Battle of Alberta. I Most people had Calgary coming out of that series. Yeah. They had, even that the upset wasn't in the result. It was in the, the journey, right? It was the Edmonton yeah, was, taking four in a row. Yeah. That was what surprised people. But I, I was still surprised that they won it all, just with mm-hmm. Mike Smith versus Jacob Markstrom. Like everyone yeah. knew who that battle was going to go to, but then it didn't. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but anyway, focusing more on the finals. So the, the Colorado Avalanche get the job done for the first time in over two decades. They get there. Yeah. Preds lose to another Stanley Cup champion. God, if it wasn't for them playing Colorado in the first round. Wait, when you say another, <laughs> when's the last time they lost to a champion? Uh, 2017. When they were in the finals. <laughs> Half a decade ago. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. Oh, man. There's been so much talk, though, of, oh, the Leafs, the people who eliminated the Leafs made it to the cup finals three times in the last five years or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not a notable stat. Yeah. It's like the Canucks went three years in a row getting eliminated by the Stanley Cup champions, and no one talks about that except for me on my podcast. (laughs) All right, settle down. Uh, Yeah. But honestly, though, like all in all, how would you stack up these playoffs to other years? This is the best one we've seen in at least three years since like before COVID. I'll say that for sure. That's easy, right? The bubble one was like the only reason people watched it is because there was nothing else to do. Yeah. You know, it was, it was August. Yeah. yeah. But again, there was no energy in it. There was no fans at the games. It yeah. was just like, it was almost kind of depressing to yeah. watch. This, this felt normal. It was the first yeah. normal playoffs in a long time. Yeah, um, exactly. Last year was the shortened season and with all the weird divisions and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Still the Canadian teams mostly didn't have any fans at them at all yeah. until Montreal in the finals. But yeah, yeah, no, it, it it was, it was nice to just get back to it, you yeah. know, just remember what it's supposed to be. Have a normal season again. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, though, Colorado, like you said, they did win. They hoisted the Stanley Cup. And uh, you know what? I don't think many people are surprised. They were a solid team. Yeah. You know, I said that their Achilles heel was going to be their goaltending all year long. And yeah. that's also why I said I thought they would be eliminated and not win the Cup. Um, and... It proved to me this year that you can win with a bad goalie. I've yeah. always said that you can't win with a bad goalie, but they did. The two games that they lost in that series were 100% Darcy Kemper's fault. Like you can't, you can't blame any other part of that team. Um, he led in soft goals, yeah. but the problem is, is that their offense and their goaltend or and their defense were both world class. Yeah, right. Like they were, they were deep offensively they were fast they were aggressive defensively they had the best defenseman in the world right now 
as well as some of the best shutdown defensemen in the world and one of the greatest young uh, defensemen in the world. So, like, they were just so deep offensively and defensively that it made up for the lack of goaltending. And funny enough, it you know, it, it also took them till game six to win, which I guess for a lot of people, right, that doesn't matter as much. But uh, still, you know, I'd say it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Uh, one thing, too, that just you bringing that up reminds me of. Uh, Darcy Kemper is actually, his contract is up. Like, he's very likely not returning with the Avs, and he's probably going to get a way bigger contract than he totally deserves because he's a Stanley Cup champion, like a defending Stanley Cup champion, right? I I think some team is going to heavily overpay him. Well, that's going to be one of the stupidest decisions from a... NHL team in a very long time. I, I totally agree, but yeah. it, it's going to It's not worth it. I mean, look at Philip Grubauer. He was nominated for the Vesna. Yeah. And then he got a huge contract in Seattle and proceeded to be the worst statistic goalie in the NHL. Yep. So, no. It's it's obvious. Colorado doesn't have a goalie. You know, I'd, I'd love to see them go back-to-back, but they still don't have a goalie or a prospect of a goalie. So, yeah, I doubt they will. Also, Nazem Kadri is going to leave. Um, not to mention uh, Valerie Njachushkin might leave. That team is going to have a tough time going back-to-back. But I know a lot of people think they will. I don't know about back-to-back, but they are going to be dominant for years to come. Like, you have to look at the age of most of these players that got them through it, right? Mm -hmm. This is a very young core. Some of their best players are not even in their primes yet. I don't know. I think, you know, Landis Gog's up there. Yeah, He's in his prime for sure. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon's, you know, in, in in his prime as well. I think just a lot of people look at Makar, right? He's younger. I think he's what twenty three, yeah, twenty two, something like that. So he's yeah, Byram he's too. Yeah, well, like yeah. he's but not. That in being his said, prime. though, like, come on, Byram wasn't a key piece for them in this. But that's what I mean. He could be. Yeah, he could be down the road. A lot of people worry because of his concussion history, and yeah, I mean, I also think that they're trying to use him as a piece in trades. Like, I, I don't think Byram's going to be a they Colorado very well could. But you have to look at Joe Sakic, right? He's built this team very smartly, like. GM of the year stuff from him. Um, God, I wish the Canucks would. You know what? Never mind. We're not. We're not doing that yet. But no, J- Joe Sakic has built this team in a very intelligent way, and I think he's smart enough that he can keep them at this level where they're performing and competing for Stanley Cups. I think Joe Sakic made two good trades and got lucky drafting. Oh, I don't know about that. Like, I mean, Nathan McKinnon was a unanimous first overall pick. Right. So was Gabe, or sorry, Gabe Landeskog was a unanimous second overall pick. Kale McCarr was somehow overlooked by Philadelphia. Yeah. And landed with them at four. So, like, those are three yeah. top four picks that, like, there's no luck in, or there's no skill involved but that, in that. But that's how you build a team, though. Of course, right. And, but so the credit I'll give him is in the two trades he made. The Tyson Berry and Alex Kerfoot for Nazem Kadri and I forget who the other player involved was. Um, that trade and then obviously the Matt Duchesne trade. Like, yeah. But even at that, like the only key player that was in this series from the Matt Duchesne trade was Samuel Gerard, and he was injured. Yeah. So like, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with some of the the deeper drafting, uh, the older players taking discounts on their contracts. There's a lot of uh, pieces there that kind of had to work out for him. Yeah, but yeah, I, mean, I still think he's a phenomenal GM and he did a great job putting the team together. I mean, obviously they won the cup, but I just I don't know. I'm not optimistic that they'll be able to keep it going. Yeah. Like, and that's that's part of the reason why I'm sad because I think if Tampa Bay had won, it would prove that it can be done. You can put a team together. 
that can can win multiple cups. Well, let, let's talk about Tampa Bay for a second there because sure. r- really they were two games away from doing it, right? Yeah. It, it's not like they got swept or anything. Like they were competing. Sure. But something happened in game six that I've, I haven't a memory of Tampa Bay doing in a very, very long time, which is they gave up. Yeah. It, it, they looked like they weren't in the third period of game six, they were down by one goal. Mm-hmm. The way they were playing looked like they were down by five goals. They yeah. had nothing left to give. Well, I, I think the big thing for them is like anyone who watched that series would tell you that they got outplayed the whole series. Yeah. <clears throat> or for, yeah. They, I mean, they had their spurts, but yeah. you're but, right. Yes. But all, all in all, all they yeah. got outplayed. They were not the better team. They did not deserve to win. And I think towards the end, a mixture of that injuries, um, it looked like there was some animosity between players. There was, there was some frustration going on. I think yeah. all of that together gave you what you saw. And unfortunately, I think the biggest thing that comes out of this is it almost invalidates Tampa Bay's last two cup cups because a lot of people were saying 2020, oh, that's just the bubble cup. 2021, they were, what's the line? $18 million over the salary cap. Right? Like, a lot of people were looking at this cup as being the way, like, no, those weren't just, you know, flukes or they didn't cheat or whatever. That They deserved those cups, and this was the way to kind of tie it all together, and you'll be able to look at 2021-22, and that's their, their reign. But instead, you end up with them falling just short. And I think maybe the pressure of that also got to them. I don't know. But... Somehow it all mixed together and led them to the point where now I think they fall apart. I don't think they ever get back to where they are for a very long time. See, I could not disagree more. And that was part of my my tagline in the fake sponsors that the Tampa Bay Lightning are still kind of terrifying is because almost every player on their team that they have right now, they still have locked up. They, they are losing very few players this offseason. They still have the best goaltender in the world. They have... Healthy, st- or what currently the second ha- best goaltender in the world. UC Saros is still a goalie in the world. Okay, they they have Nikita Kucherov. They have Steven Stamkos. They have Braden Point. They have um, Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman. They have a lot of huge pieces that are all locked up. And I'll admit, they're at the point where like <laughs> Marcus. The problem there is though is that those pieces are what drive the engine of your vehicle towards getting to that goal. Right. The problem is is that the pieces are starting to fall off, right? Like they're losing great players every year that they go on, right? Like they, they didn't have Coleman or Gaudreau this year. Um, next year, they're not going to have Palat or Perry, depending on you know what you think of Corey Perry. Right, but they're going to get replaced. That doesn't, yeah. and, and that doesn't mean automatically they get worse, right? We'll see, yeah. And even the pieces you're talking about, like, yeah, they're, they're good players, but I wouldn't necessarily call them the core of the team. Right, Corey Perry is not the core of the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, but what I'm saying is, is like, yes, you're right. Like the engine of the team still exists, the core. But that isn't what wins you a cup. What wins you a cup is the depth. Right, and I I think like the depth gets picked away at a little bit year after year after year to the point where next year I don't even think they make the Cup final. I think they probably get knocked out in the first or second round, at least as of you know. Let's say June twenty eighth. Yeah, I, you know, like yeah, a I, lot I, can happen. Yeah, over the they summer can. And, they can make yeah. trades. They can. They can have 
I would say they could have prospects develop, but let's face it, they don't have a huge no. inventory of prospects but right that, now. That's why I say they're they're in my opinion, they're still a scary team is because they, while you're saying, oh, they could do this, they could do that. That's what makes them scary is, yeah, they can. You know, they might not. GMs make mistakes. Canucks GMs make tons of mistakes. But some GMs kind of know what they're doing. And if they make the right decisions, they can keep the team here. And, you know, I'm not saying we'll they will, but they could. And we'll see. Yeah. But the big thing that stood out to me, though, in like looking at Tampa Bay's roster and their players, and even we were talking about the core, Kucherov is obviously part of that core. Yeah. Did you see much of his last 25 seconds of the Stanley Cup Finals? Yes. Yeah, I think everyone did. Yeah. I I don't even really want to recap it that much, but what an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, you're he just won two Stanley Cups back-to-back. Okay, right, before this year. How embarrassed can he possibly be? I would say he's about to find out. Mm-hmm. Because that that's just, you're a leader on that team. You're one of the best players in the world. The, the fact that he would treat a trainer like that, th- that's disgusting. Yeah. that That's horrible that little kids look up to him, you know? Well, let's not go that far, but I understand what you're saying. It was a, a, a dark spot on his career, and I think he definitely needs to either apologize or do something. Yeah. Because, yeah, that was not a good show. But, but for those of, of our listeners who don't maybe know what we're talking about, why don't you talk about the situation? Okay. Well, in the last few minutes of the game, uh, there was, I guess, what is kind of now being called a controversial non-icing call, where the Tampa Bay Lightning thought that Colorado would ice the puck, but they waved it off at the goal line and said, no, it, it wasn't icing. You could have made it to the puck, which I agree with, by the way. And there was an icing call right before that where they clearly just dog skated their way back and got the call. And I think that's why the linesman didn't call this one as they said, no, you you're clearly not trying. Like they made it too obvious. Anyway, in all this ordeal, Kucherov's stick broke at some point and he went to the bench to grab a new one and getting to the bench, the trainer didn't have a stick ready for him. And that, you know, that's part of the trainer's jobs or the stick. I guess it might, a trainer, stick boy, whatever you want to call them. That's their job. You know, there's those viral videos of, I think it's Crosby and Marner each have one where they break a stick, swing by the bench, grab a stick from the trainer who's holding Mm -hmm. it over the bench, and they either score or assist on a goal at the other end. Mm -hmm. I guess Kucherov was hoping for something like that, but they didn't have a stick ready. So while he's on the ice with about half a minute to go in a elimination Stanley Cup game where they're down by one goal, instead of saying, come on, hurry up, or even jumping off and allowing another player to go on, he sat on the ice in front of the bench and threw his gloves at the trainer. Meaning not only is he not playing in the game, he's he's just having a temper tantrum on, on the ice and preventing anyone from getting on. You know, it just a, a very classless play that showed very little um, of how much of a veteran he is in this league, you know? I hate it. I'm I that's one of my biggest pet peeves is guys that have attitudes like that. That's why I said it. It's too bad that like I didn't mean to say kids shouldn't look up to Nikita Kucherov. I meant that's it's sad watching someone who kids look up to act that way, you know? In my opinion, it was an absolute goof move. What? What a goof. That's right. Welcome to my segment, my part of the show where I go out, I find a story that involves a player, coach, team, organization, whatever, what have you. I bring up the story with 
Well, this week, Marcus. And <laughs> you might sound like I get Tyler's not here, and that's sad. You don't have to be that disappointed that it's me. Yeah, Marcus. And we have a little chat about it. Um, this week, it's it's a story. It's not a person. It's not a player. It's not a coach. It's a story. Wait, it's that's none what, of the things that you say it is. Well, I say it uh, or a story. So this is a story. Okay. So. This is the goofy story that came out last week. This came out, I think it was like Saturday. So it would have been the day after our last episode would have dropped. So it's still this right. week. Okay. Alex Ovechkin signed a one-game contract to play with a soccer team in Europe in which he played, scored a goal, and landed a hit. Now, if you looked at the stat sheet for Alex Ovechkin on any game and saw a goal and a hit, you'd think, yeah, uh, you know, that's a that's a, a light, slow game. That's a light night for Alex Ovechkin. But in a professional soccer game in Europe, it's pretty goofy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I saw this as well. Yeah. Like, when I first saw it, I thought, like, oh, it's like a charity game or something. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And I went, oh, my God, no, it's a friendly against a real soccer <laughs> yeah. team. Yeah. And yeah, the the hit. I mean, it's as much of a hit as you can throw in soccer. Well, they yeah, just yeah. kind of bump into each other, yeah. and because just, Alex Ovechkin's <laughs> built like a fire hydrant, yeah. he didn't fall down. Yeah, the other guy just went f- like arms yeah. and legs flailing in the air. It's just so funny watching Alex Ovechkin play soccer because it's just like all the soccer players are built lean, yeah, and you know, like they're very aerodynamic and they're nimble. And then there's this huge Russian man yeah. in his late. 30s just like like you said built like a fire hydrant like it is just hilarious to me but like he he kept up he played fine yeah. i mean he scored a goal yeah dude his his reaction i priceless i mean that goes down in 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 infamy or or yeah. whatever you want however you want to look at it i mean amazing stuff from alex ovechkin and absolutely worthy of the Goof of the week. Is he now hockey's Michael Jordan because he's played two different sports professionally? <laughs> I don't think he's quite there yet, but if, if he wants to pursue a uh, soccer career after his his NHL <laughs> career comes to a close when he turns 55, um, yeah, maybe it might be there for him. That actually almost does feel like it could be a natural step for a hockey player. Soccer? Yeah, because when you think about it, most hockey players are not retiring because they can't, well, I guess some of them, like they slow down a bit. But most of them retire because of the physicality, right? They can't, their bodies, when you get older, you can't handle getting drilled into the boards all the time anymore. I guess, but yeah. cardio, you can keep doing cardio. Most yeah. of the guys play soccer every, or before every game, yeah, right? So they they warm have, up. Yeah. And I realize it's not professional soccer, but hockey players are some of the best athletes in the world. And I could very much see that being a, a transition that a hockey player could make. Yeah, at the professional level, though, I don't know. I don't see it. Well, no, I'm not talking about playing for suiting up for Manchester United or anything. But, like, I, I genuinely think that there are hockey players who could... Well, I think there's a lot of people who could jump onto the Vancouver Whitecaps and play a couple games. <laughs> yeah, I could. Yeah, well, let's just pump the brakes <laughs> there a little bit. But, like, put it this way. They could survive, right? They, they might not score a lot. They might not do a lot, but they could survive out there. Mm-hmm. They could, at the very least, not be the worst player on the field. But when, when you think about, like, I brought up Michael Jordan, right? People don't realize how hard it is to actually hit a ball thrown by a professional pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is near impossible. 
Playing soccer, though, if you understand positionally where to be and you have, like, foot-eye coordination, you can probably play professional soccer. Is that a thing, foot-eye coordination? Well, I mean, hand-eye coordination isn't going to help you out too much, so. <laughs> foot-eye coordination. I like it. Anyway, there you go. There's your biggest goof of the week. Alex Ovechkin playing in a professional soccer game, scoring and landing a hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but changing absolutely nothing about his game. Other than yes. the sport. Yeah, just taking the <laughs> taking the wheels off, yeah. <laughs> throwing on some <laughs> pair of boots, and getting out onto the pitch. Um, also, one other small detail to the story. I think that his dad played for that team or something. I believe There he was did. some sort of family connection. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that there was some sort of, uh, you know, in his honor yeah. uh, game. Kind of scored thing. a goal for his dad. Yeah. Pretty, pretty awesome. Love to see it. Yeah, way to go, Obi. Yeah. Not the last time you'll see him in this segment, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm sure he could land in Goof of the Week again. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if we had this show and this segment like during the summer of Ovi. Oh, my God. Every like, week. Every week. Yeah. It's the strip club. Oh, he's swimming in a fountain now. He's at a baseball game. And he's blackout drunk. His pitch <laughs> didn't make it to home base. And now he's trying to get the crowd singing a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was something new all the time. Yeah. It would be Evander Kane, P.K. Subban, or Ovi. <laughs> yeah. But the Ovi stuff just hits different, though. That you it know? does. It's not like, it's not like oh, he did this bad thing or this bad thing. It's where did he get drunk this week? Yeah. It's goofy. And, it's... like, how many people did he just convert to hockey fans? Yeah. The, the spirit of the goof of the week has always been a silly, stupid thing. Yeah. And I think that I thought that this fit perfectly in the goof of the week. It does. Right. I think that, so is the real goof just the team that he scored on? I guess so, yeah. yeah. Like, how do you let him score? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But it's just a situation. The better so question, weird. I think, is how do you stop this guy from scoring? Well, you can't. In any he's sport. the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. Like, yeah. yeah. Maybe in two games. Maybe in two. <laughs> well, I think that is a perfect segment into. Segment. Segway. Segway. It was, a, it, was, it was a segment. Well, I, hey, you know what? I'll take what I can get. If it, you think it was a perfect segment, I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I don't know if a goof of the week has ever been perfect. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll use that segment to segue <laughs> into the break. Uh, we'll be back on the other side with some Canucks news, some news from around the league, and something resembling a headline. Yeah. Yeah. Stick around on the other side. We'll be right back right after another word from our fake sponsor. This week's episode of the Vancouver Boys podcast is brought to you by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Much like Obey Kubel, the Tampa Bay Lightning dropped the cup. The Tampa Bay Lightning, still kind of terrifying. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Vancouver Boys podcast. That's her name. Don't wear it out. Man, we got to sign this guy to a six by six. Tampa Bay was $18 million over the salary cap. UC Soros is the best goalie in the NHL. Welcome back from the break. Uh, we are going to start to break off in a weird way. We're going to do the Canucks news uh, because we haven't done that yet. Well, 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 no, no, we get, we get a, no, 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 no. Yes. There we go. That's what we needed. Applause. The laughing. No, you know, no, this, this actually does call for applause because, and I'm going to channel my inner Steve Dangle here. Andre Kuzmenko is a Canuck. 
I, just, I don't know. <laughs> Steve Dangle does that every Whoa. time someone becomes a Leaf. Yeah. He freaks out. But, like, yeah, actually, the Canucks won the Kuzmenko sweepstakes, which, like... Sweepstakes. Well, yeah. yeah, there were a lot of people in on him. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he went uh, touring a little bit around North America while teams tried to woo him <laughs> I- into... Woo! Sa- yeah, woo! <laughs> I don't think we have a button for that yet. Not for Jet Woo, yeah. We should. No, I think that's just the laughing track again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but uh, a lot of stuff happened there. Uh, One is that Kuzmenko, the week he announced that he would be a Canuck, he was supposed to keep that information to himself for a while longer. They were supposed to wait to announce it. But he was so excited about coming here that he made his decision and announced it earlier than expected. Like he, he, he almost basically said, I'm going to announce it in a week. And then he announced it in two days. Well, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, you want players that want to be here. Exactly. And for him to want to be here, I mean, I'd be, th- I'd be thrilled. That's wicked. I'm really happy. Yeah. He, uh, apparently he was very impressed by the way he was treated by Canucks ownership and management. Bruce Boudreaux drove six hours mm-hmm. to come to a meeting with him. Mm-hmm. And apparently the commitment meant a lot to him. Uh, it sounds like they also had his former teammate, Vasily Podkolzin, have some type of conversation with yeah. him. Like they pulled they pulled out some strings. And like, you know, that sounds like a lot, right? Like trying to get him. You know what the Edmonton Oilers did for him? <laughs> Look at this wonderful view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they brought him to Connor McDavid's house <laughs> that he's currently locked outside of because his girlfriend still won't let him in. <laughs> He's sleeping on the heated driveway. Yeah, and they're saying, hey, we'll get you your very own heated driveway (laughs) that you'll one day be forced to sleep on. Yeah. Uh, No, they they brought him to Joey's, like the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They brought him to Joey's. That was their restaurant of choice. Yeah. And gave him a signed Wayne Gretzky jersey. Cool. That was like their pitch to him. Yeah. Was, we have Joey's and Wayne Gretzky... (laughs) Did play here. Mm-hmm. That was that was their pitch. The Canucks took him to a restaurant that's owned by the ownership group. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they pulled out all the stops. It sounds the like. uh, sports bar. Uh, no, <laughs> it's called um, Alyssa Steakhouse, or e- it's pronounced weird. It's spelled mm, like yeah, Alyssa, like... but it's like it's yeah, pronounced okay, weird. all okay. right, whatever. Anyway. But it's like one of those like high end places that like the players go to sometimes, but like other people can't afford. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like uh, other you know other yeah. people out <laughs> yes. there, normal underlings can't afford. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, this looks huge. Uh, apparently, part of the promise of him coming here is that he will see top power play minute time, and he will be in the top six during the season. Yeah. So, that's that's pretty bold. Yeah, well, I mean like. This has all of the right ingredients for success. A young, motivated player who wants to be on the team, who has connections to the team. Uh, There's a spot in the roster that will open up for him, right? Like, they're not shoehorning him in. They're going to, like, they want this guy to be a part of the team moving forward. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it's huge that they're going to, you know, do what they can to make sure he's comfortable and ready. Yeah. I, Yeah. I, I think this could be a huge win for the Canucks. It could be. Uh, We also have uh, a lot of rumors floating around right now, which I find kind of funny because a few days ago, Rick Dollywall went on the air and said, I want to warn Canucks fans out there. 
that in the next two weeks, you're going to hear some crazy rumors about what they're trying to do. And basically the reason he said that is because we have guys like Besser who aren't, who isn't signed. We have guys like Miller who are basically one foot out the door already. We have guys like Garland who have crazy rumors, just all these kind of higher end pieces that are floating around out there with the draft approaching free agency approaching. We got to fix our cap issues. Uh, it's speculated that there's going to be some crazy rumors because everyone's going to have some idea of how to fix this team, right? And you are going to hear all of it. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the draft because that is happening on Thursday. That is not right. a long ways away. That is literally next week. That's um, crazy. And you know what? It, while we're on the draft, uh, I've obviously, Marcus and I have been watching uh, prospects. We've been seeing kind of where they look to be slotting in and where we think certain players will go. Obviously, with the Canucks not making their selection until, is it 15th? They have the 15th overall pick? Yes. Um, there aren't going to be those big high-end names available to them, but there is one name in the uh, the draft system that I think looks really, really interesting for them. What's that? Danila Yurov. Okay. Have you heard of this guy before? No. Take a guess at where he's from. Is he Russian? He is Russian. That's crazy. He, yes. So Danila Yurov is a very high-skilled Russian player. Um, he is projected to go in the first round. 2003 kid, so he's 18, birthday in December. Right. Um, there's a lot of conversation around uh, kind of his attitude. Um, that being said, though, I'm a, I'm a person that thinks that the Vancouver Canucks are a good organization to be able to kind of you know, rein him, bring him in, bring him back to, to center and, and really grow him through his development. Um, he's six foot one, 179 pounds, shoots left. Uh, I think he could be a, a decent addition to the team. And like I said, I'm, I'm fairly certain he'll be a first round pick. He's, he's slotted to go right there in the middle. Some have him, have him ranked as high as 11th overall. Okay. Um, but I personally, I think he'll go right around the 15 spot. Well, it does look like the Canucks are kind of stocking up on Russians right now, so mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't be a shocking choice. It's, to me, like, yeah, him being Russian, like, obviously they've just signed Kuzmenko, they've got Pod Colson in the system, it makes sense. But for me, it's more about the style of player he is. He's a big physical forward, and I think that's kind of a part of their identity that they're lacking right now. They really don't have that kind of, like, big presence, especially offensively. Yeah, no, I see that. Like, the, really, the most physical forward we probably have right now, I would say, is got to be like JT Miller. Yeah. And who is, again, one foot out the door. Yeah. Um, the other, you know, the, the comparables for this guy in the NHL are Alex Ovechkin. He's a, this is a right winger. He's a big guy. Uh, he's probably going to put on weight as he, as he gets older. Right. I, I really think that this is going to be the player that they target. Um, other options could be players like Connor Geeky. He slipped quite a bit yep. in a lot of, uh, a lot of prospects, uh, mock lists. It's and also I think, a bit alarming. Yeah, that's true. However, I, many people will remember Vasily Podkolzin was one of those players. That's true. He was supposed to go in the top three and he slipped all the way to the Canucks down till 10. So it's, it's definitely possible for, um, for players up in the draft to slip and end up lower and falling to the Canucks at 15. Um, many players will look back at Cole Caulfield, yep. right? He, he slipped all the way to, I think it was pick 15 when the Montreal Canadiens picked him up. In yeah. He was, he was like just after pod Colson. Like he was not far after. 
Yeah, at any rate, like it, it, it happens, right? Players slip, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that that might happen for the Canucks, but of course that's impossible to predict. Yeah. Uh, but my safest bet would be uh, this Danley Yurov guy. Okay. We'd have, that's weird. We'd have two Danilas in the organization. We also have Klimovich. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. I don't know about him, though. Like, he had a really weird season. Who knows if he's going to well, make Well, he jump. was almost like, he wasn't supposed to make the Abbotsford Canucks. Like, everyone thought he was mm-hmm. going to... Uh, was it the ECHL or they, they, they didn't put it this I way. thought he was still going to go back to Europe. No, he was never going to go back to Europe. They were planning to keep him in North America, but like not have him in the AHL yet. Okay. And then he surprised people out of camp and he made it. Right. But then he kind of fell off and like he was kind of in and out of the lineup and was yeah. getting health. It, it was kind of like a, almost, okay, he's too good to be down there, but he's not quite good enough to be here. So what, what do we do with him? Yeah, you know. Sure. But I, I still have high hopes for him. I think he could be an NHL player someday. What about, because obviously the Canucks have a first-round pick this year, and that's exciting, right. and we really need to talk about that. We, Funny enough, we haven't touched on it at all lately, well, I, I especially think, in our Canucks news segments. So. I think the part of the reason I've almost tried to steer clear of it is because I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't know if we'll have it at the draft. I don't know if we'll have a different first-round pick at the draft, right? Yeah. Th- this is what we were talking about with the rumors earlier, that with JT Miller possibly being on his way out, could Brock Besser be on his way out? Could Connor Garland be on his way out? Could any of these trades involve either trading up or trading down in the draft? Right? Okay, well, let's assume, you know, it's we're a week out and we, they haven't done anything yet. Right. Um, obviously, draft day deals are common. Yeah. <coughs> common. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping that in. I'm not editing that out. It's a voice crack for the ages. Uh, that being said, at 15, there are good options. Um, like I mentioned. Oh, for sure. I think Danila Yurov <laughs> is a great option, um, but there's others that are available there as well. Uh, who are some players kind of in that area that you think the Canucks should target with their pick? Okay, well, you brought up a forward, so I'll bring up a defenseman because the Canucks, I mean, if you're really looking at what they need, it's defensemen, right? You'll, I, I believe you always take the best player on the board, but because I'm interested in us improving our defense, uh, a guy like Kevin Korchinski could actually be a really good fit. Six foot two, uh, left shot defenseman, Currently plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds. He is slotted to go in the low teens. Uh, you never know. Like, there's always a, a fair bit of movement there. I would really like to see a player like this uh, with the Canucks. But I want to look at one forward, too, and that is Connor Geeky. I mean, how, how do you pass up on a six foot four centerman? Yeah. You know, when he's 18. That's the other thing. Like, I mean, like, he's going to be attractive to a lot of teams. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, yeah, if he's available at 15, like, he could get I, I think early. he's a no-brainer. But I think it, he's projected to go around there, but I think he'll probably go a bit higher than that. I, I could see it. It'd be and, cool, too, because his brother plays for Seattle, so you have that kind of... Yeah, sure. I, I mean, that, Seattle might a, take him then. You know yeah, what I mean? Well, but, like, true. Seattle's picking, what, fourth? So yeah, I don't think they're taking him not. at fourth. But yeah, uh, another name that I actually want to bring up too, because this would be a bit of an off the board pick, okay. but there's a left winger who's similar to Danila Yurov. I keep wanting to say Klimovich, but yeah, it's now, just because like, I shouldn't have put that in your ear. Yeah, no, but no, a Danila Yurov, like I said, I, I really think he would be a phenomenal pick for them to take. I think he fills so many holes, but if he's taken early or if they decide that his attitude problems, you know, are too much for them to overcome, there's another player who's, uh, projected to go a little bit later in the first round by the name of Liam Ogren. Okay. He's a Swedish forward. He plays the left side, not wait, the wait, right. Wait, wait. Say no more. The Canucks are drafting. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you can imagine, they do have that uh, that connection. They love Swedish players. Yeah. But he's six foot one, 200 pounds. 
Um, I think that he's a fast player. He's a smart player. He's got a good shot. I think that he would be a smart pick for them to go for. But like I said, he is projected to go later in the first round towards the, the back half of the draft for sure. And on top of all this, bit of a heartthrob. Bit of a heartthrob. I'm looking at the picture now, and this is definitely someone my girlfriend would tell me is attractive. <laughs> That's it. He's got so, the yeah. he's got the jawline. He's got the jawline <laughs> for sure. So yeah, lock up your uh, lock up your girlfriends. Keep them away from this guy. But I think I don't know. I think he also spells uh, some uh, dangerous uh, player for the Canucks if they if they draft him. I think he would be a salt player too. I don't know if he'd ever crack your top line or even your top six, but I don't know. He could be a good depth piece. Yep. Right, and and teams need depth. Yeah, well, not not every piece you draft is going to be in your top six, right? Not every first exactly. round pick is going to be your top liner. Mm-hmm. That's just, and and a lot of people forget that. A lot of people really see these draft rankings, mm-hmm. and then like ten teams walk out, and all their fans think they just got the next Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, and it's like, okay, you know, one of you might have gotten a very good player, a few of you probably got really really decent players. Most of you probably just picked up like bottom six guys. Mm-hmm. That, that's just the bottom line. Another guy who's like, I don't want to say off the board, but like some, some lists have him going around the 20 mark. So a okay. little bit higher up is Owen Pickering. Yes. He is. And stop me if you've heard this before, Jake, he's a six foot five defenseman. Oh, is it me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jake Jude. Yeah. <laughs> going 15th overall. Yeah, overager. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 179 pounds, which is actually incredibly light for a six foot five yeah. frame. Like yeah. that's, it, I think scouts expect him to fill out a little bit. Um, oh, I would think a lot. Yeah. But, uh, you know what? Like he could be, you know, he could be a good puck moving defenseman, which he is right now. Right. But like, yeah, that six foot five frame, you know, it's hard, hard to look away from that. But yeah, cause yeah. also Owen Pickering has been in draft lists for years. Like I've heard people really? toss around his name for a long time. Yeah. He's, he's been all over the first round, so it's like it's really hard to predict where he's going to go. Yeah. But, you know, he could be available for them at 15, um, or he might not get drafted till the second round. Like, it's it's one of those players yeah. where it's like it's going to be so interesting to see where he does actually get drafted because it could quite literally be anywhere. Okay, well, there's also some na- – like, we keep talking about these off-the-board picks that are, like, yeah. later on. Yeah. We haven't really talked about many players that could, like, possibly slip to 15th. Yeah. Right? Because I think a lot of this draft, like once you pass like maybe fourth overall, yeah. a lot of these are kind of up in the air. Oh, for right? sure. This draft is probably the most wide open draft I've seen in years. Yeah. Like even even the top two picks, like nobody expected for Bob McKenzie's list, which is widely considered to be like the most reputable list. Yeah. He's, he's hit on the first overall pick every year for the last 12 years. Yeah. Like he, he's just, he's, he's really in touch with all the scouts. He basically compiles a list. But he, he just scouts. surprised a lot of people, he though. He did, because he put Uri Slavkovsky, Q Tyler freaking out right now, yeah. um, at first overall over Shane Wright, which a lot of people were not expecting. Um, I, I don't think Montreal, by the way. I don't think Montreal is going to pass up on Shane Wright. I think they'll take him. Yeah, just um, as a Canadian. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I don't think. Also, he's kind of more fits what they I think they think they need. Um, at any rate, uh, so, yeah, a lot of people are surprised. and But after that, like... Things continue to be a mystery, you know, not, not many players are kind of 
fixed in where they are. And I think we're going to see a lot of off-the-board picks, which means that, like you said, we'll see players slip. We'll see players slip out of the top 10 and fall down farther down the draft board to areas where the Canucks may be able to get a steal and then eventually develop that player into something that could be, um, well, one of the biggest steals of the draft. Because that's just the thing, right? Like These are also players who had to play their their defining hockey you know what I mean? Like they had to, they had to define yeah. themselves as hockey players during the pandemic. So it's like the information on these players is so limited. It's, it's so hard to tell. Place. Exactly. Right. Like it's, it's just, it's so interesting to see. I, personally, I would love to see Simon Nemec slip even farther and, and somehow the Canucks get him at 15. I think that's still a pike dream, but I think, you know, in this year's draft, who knows all these players are, there's so much mystery around them. One guy that I could kind of see slipping is Marco Casper. Yeah. He played for, I don't know if it's Rogel or Rogue. Yeah, Rogue it's the, the Oilers logo, right? Yeah. yeah. He, but, uh, he's Austrian, right? Uh, I believe he, yes, he is. Yeah. Um, so he actually, that um, team he plays for now is the same team that Nils Hoaglander played for when he was in Europe. Okay. But like before he came to the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they missed each other by one year. Hoaglander's last season there. Uh, happened right before Casper's uh, first or yeah. his first season. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, I could see him slipping because it looks like just in his last few games that he played, he didn't really do too much. Yeah. In his last 10 games, he has one goal and two assists. Yeah. Right. And when you're talking about a top 10 guy in the draft, you're typically looking for like minimum point per game, yeah. if not goal per game. Well, yeah. well, no, you're you're looking pretty high. Though. Yeah, no, I, I as as a yeah. forward in the top ten in a draft, yeah. you want them to be performing pretty well in Europe. You know, the, the thing with Casper is throughout the year, he has only gone up in the draft. Like he didn't start anywhere near the top ten. That's true. So to to like to hear him slip to fifteen is shocking to me because like he hasn't been in that conversation of going towards the top of the draft until Bob McKenzie put him at 10. Yeah. Like, for me, that's why he's getting the attention he is now. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree. But that's like, the thing. It was GMs could look at that and just go, uh, I don't know if I want to touch that, right? If you're kind of streaky, if you're up and down. Sure, yeah. You know? Yeah. They People have slipped for weirder reasons than that. It's, it's also like when you're talking about drafting players, it's also about where they are now, where you can see them getting to, what kind of development, how long is it going to take for them to get to the NHL? Yeah. What kind of impact are they going to have? What type of player do you want them to be? Like drafting isn't just always best player available, right? Especially when you get past pick number seven. Yeah. Right? Because at that point, the variance between players projected to go eighth and projected to go 10th is so small that it's really about what player fits your organization better. Yeah. And so for a player like, um, is it Marco Casper? Yeah. Yeah. A player for him to slip down to the Canucks at 15, that's completely plausible. And and I could see that happening for sure. Yeah. It, it, there's going to be so much going on in this draft. And, and the one thing you mentioned there is about how much time it will take you to get to the NHL. Mm-hmm. That's part of why I'm not confident that the Canucks are actually going to walk out of this with a first overall pick or sorry, uh, or a first, first round, round pick is because they can't really wait that much longer. Yeah. You know, they, they're wanting to add young prospects. That's also, sorry, it's just, that's exactly why I also thought they would take Dan Lee off is because personally, right. I think in that window, 
in that mid-teen pick window, yeah. there is exactly one player who is head and shoulders above the rest in terms of development and how long it will take them to get to the NHL, and I believe it is Daniel Yurov. I, 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 I passionately believe that if they take him, they'll be set. Outside of that, like we talked about, there's good options for them, but I really think he would be their best pick. And to be honest, I'll actually be shocked if they don't take him, if he's available at 15. Right, and if we have the 15th pick still. Which, again, we're a week out, things could happen, things happen draft day, but because we're recording this podcast a week and a half out, um, it's important for us to, to talk about what we know now and what we think will happen based on the information that we have right now. Yeah, that's true. Any way you look at it, though, I think this draft is going to be a very interesting draft to look back at years from now. And well, I, I know agree. that I know that a lot of people might think of that as like, oh, well, every draft is like that. But I think especially because there are going to be players that are drafted who are absolute nobodies. There are going to be massive busts out of this first round. Well, I know Tyler has pretty vocally said before that he thinks Shane Wright is not going to pan out. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with him to a certain degree. Um, I think he he's going to be an okay player in the NHL, but nowhere mm-hmm. near what a lot of people wanted him to be. But it, just like I was saying before, it's all about there was not that wealth of of experience for for scouts to see. Right, they they didn't see these players develop and play the same way they've seen players for years in the past. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's gonna that's gonna play into it, and that's why I think this draft is so interesting, and that years from now it will continue to be looked at as one of the most unique drafts in NHL history. Well, we'll put it this way too: D- during that bubble year in COVID uh, in the NHL, um, we had uh, Michael DiPietro, yeah. right? He did not play a hockey game that season because they had him on the taxi squad because they needed him in case, yep. right? Yep. That killed his development. Yep. He had a whole season where he didn't play hockey. You can't do that to a developing goalie, mm-hmm. right? You, you got to think, how many weird circumstances are we going to hear about that are kind of like that from this draft class, right? Yeah. How many people do we not even realize, oh, they missed half a season. They were locked out for a year. They missed Their an con- entire season. <laughs> yeah, that country was in lockdown. They didn't get to play. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to make, you know, yeah. y- you never know what's going to happen here. This, this could be a really weird one. You're, you're not wrong. Yeah. And one way that... You know, a lot of teams really do judge prospects, at least in North America, yeah. is the Memorial Cup, yes, which sir. just wrapped up. That it did. That it did. Um, Mason McTavish's team and the Hamilton Bulldogs. No came. kidding. Your Calder Trophy <laughs> favorite. <laughs> yeah. They uh, they came oh so close, but uh, did not win. And I was heartbroken for them because, uh, for those of you who may not know, the St. John Sea Dogs beat the Hamilton Bulldogs in the Memorial Cup Final. Mm. And it's sad because I don't like seeing the host team win the Memorial Cup. I just That think, is such a weird take. Yeah, okay, well, let, let me back it up then. So, for those of you who don't know, the way the Memorial Cup works is you have a host team. And they're established like the year before. Yeah, it's so, like the Super Bowl. It's yeah. just you know where it's going to be. Exactly. But imagine if the home team was always in the Super Bowl, no questions asked. Like they right. could they could miss the playoffs, get knocked out in the first round, whatever. They will be in the Super Bowl. Okay. That's exactly what happened to the St. John Sea Dogs. I can't remember if it was the first or the second round, but they got knocked out pretty early in the playoffs. And so they went home, they recouped, they practiced, whatever, and they got ready for the Memorial Cup. While the WHL, the QMJHL, and the OHL playoffs continued. 
those three teams that ended up winning those leagues had to battle it out in in playoff series that that took you know blood, sweat, and tears for them to try to win. Right. So out of the WHL, we had the Edmonton Oil Kings. Out of the OHL, we had the Hamilton Bulldogs. And out of the QMJHL, we had the Shawinigan Cataracts, which I believe is one of the best names in hockey. Shawinigan. Shawinigan Cataracts. Anyway. Um, so anyway, these three teams that, like I said, they, they yeah. have to win four rounds. They have to win a Stanley Cup playoffs level event and then go to a tournament against three other teams, or two for sure, yeah. that are at least at the same caliber, if not better, and the host team. Typically, the host team is picked because they're projected to be a really good team. Right. But what I don't like about the way it's set up is that the St. John Sea Dogs had all that time off to rest, get yeah. healthy, practice. I didn't realize it worked that way. Yeah. And so, in I believe the way it worked out is the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, lost a couple. They won one, lost two. Then, based on the point system, they got knocked out. And then there's a semifinal, and that was between Shawinigan and Hamilton. And uh, Hamilton beat Schwinnigan in overtime and then played St. John's in, in the finals. And like I said, it just, it, it doesn't seem fair to those teams that no. they have to go and play against a host team that just gets a bye to no, the that, Memorial Cup. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is like the Super Bowl, I get why it's predetermined. It's such a huge, colossal event. Like yeah. you need weeks, if not months, to just set up the stadium for yeah. it, right? Is the Memorial Cup really that... Like, I'm not trying well, to say it's but, small. But with the Super Bowl, the home team isn't guaranteed to play. Yeah. It's just the two teams well, that, that make it. That's what I mean. Like, I understand why the Super Bowl does it. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Is in the Memorial Cup, what what's the point? Like, what? why do they feel the need to predetermine it? Why not just let the four best teams play it out? Then once you know who the four teams are, you pick one of them through some process yeah. to host it. Well, okay. Well, I think there's kind of two things there. One, there's only three leagues. So right. it's hard to pick a fourth team. Okay, okay. The other right. thing is, is that like, what if, what if those teams are like, uh, hold on, I got to think of my Canadian geography, like Guelph, Prince Albert, and some other weird Ramouski, right? Some random Quebec town. Yeah, well, what if it is? Well, okay, but then you're, you're asking them to impromptu throw together a huge sporting event in a city that may only have a couple thousand people. Like it's, it's, it's kind of hard to be like, Hey, next week you got to host this huge hockey tournament that's nationally televised. So I get why they have to set it up beforehand, but I don't see why they couldn't set it up in like Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto. And then those teams go there. Yeah. And and then not give the home team a buy. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can still make it work with three teams, right? They each play each other. Oh, yeah. Best record goes to the final. The other two teams play in a single elimination. Then you get your, you get your cup final. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just think, you know, because I've seen this happen before. And the last time I remember it happening, I'm sure it's happened in the past since then, is actually with the Shawinigan Cataracts. They were bounced in the first round, but because they were hosting that year, they made it to the final, or they made it to the Memorial Cup final, then walked their way right to the final and won it. Wow. I know, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a very flawed system. It is, yeah. And yeah. and it pisses me off because sorry, I'm really passionate about this cuz oh, I love be. I love junior hockey. I didn't know about and, this a minute ago, but now I'm passionate about it. Yeah, right? And here's the thing is like when it comes to junior hockey, you get at most three chances. Right. Right? Like 17, 18, 19 or 18, 19, 20, whatever it is, you get like three good chances to win the Memorial Cup. And and then you're off to the to the Stanley area. You're off to the NHL or Europe or whatever. Yeah. And so it's like I think it should really be pared down 
So it's like, if you do win it, it is like the most incredible trophy ever. And at this point, I think it still can be, but they have to do something with the host city situation. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I know I kind of ripped on you at the beginning of that for not <laughs> wanting the host city to win, but I, I'll admit I didn't realize it worked that way. Yeah. I thought you were just like, yeah, I hate it when like the hometown gets a victory. I was like, what, yeah. what the hell's wrong well, with you? Okay, so you make but, a good point. Like clearly it's nice when the home team wins. Yeah. But yeah, it's just but like. No, that you're right. That, that defies everything I've learned about sports and how mm-hmm. it's supposed to work, yeah. you know? Like, the closest thing I can think to that is in box lacrosse, the host team of the Provincials gets a bye to the Provincials. They don't get a bye to the gold medal game. Yeah. They, they get a bye to get knocked out in the first two games. <laughs> and I know yeah. because I was on that team once when yeah. uh, we hosted it in the lower mainland where I grew up. Yeah. And, yeah, our, our team was awful. And we were almost, I don't want to say disappointed. Like, we all liked the game. But we almost didn't want the buy because we were like, we're just going to get railroaded three yeah. games in a row and then told, ah, you didn't quite make it. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. But I think, I think, sir, I think there's one more thing I should probably add to this just so it doesn't make it look like I'm a hypocrite. Um, in 2009, I think it was 2009, the, the Giants won the Memorial Cup okay. as the host city ah. and didn't make it. Based on the fact that they won the like they didn't win the WHL playoffs, right? They were the host city, and that's how they made it in. But they lost in the WHL playoff finals, so they still okay. So they still I, did quite well. Yeah. So it wasn't like they got knocked out in the first round or second round. They still made it to the to the Stanley or sorry the WHL finals. Yeah. And then lost, and the year before that that they hosted, they did make it to the Memorial Cup, which was in like I don't know somewhere in Quebec. Right. But so it's like. And that that's obviously what I grew up on and what I know. So I wanted to make sure that was clear. But I still, I, I don't know, I still think that it should be a battle of the best teams and not involve the host team. Yeah, there, there has to be a better format than that. Yeah. Well, to some actual NHL news, which like, I mean, uh, when the Stanley Cup Finals happens, there's only so much to talk about usually. But we have a trade to announce. <laughs> uh, this broke. Weird timing, but yeah. Yeah, it feels weird, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, earlier today... The Minnesota Wild traded Nashville former Nashville Predator Kevin oh. Fiala to the LA Kings for the 19th overall pick and Brock Faber. Yeah. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you know a little bit more about Kevin Fiala than I do. <laughs> uh, oh, one thing I'll add to this too. He's also been signed to an extension. Yes. A uh, pretty steep one too. Yeah. Seven years... Worth seven point nine million dollars per year. Yeah, uh, that's a whole lot of Kevin Fiala that they've signed themselves up for. Yeah. Uh, first things first. Congrats, Kevin Fiala. That's a big time contract. Oh, you're the second guy to congratulate him after Victor Arvidsson. Yeah, former Pred who is now his teammate in L.A. Okay, so where to start with this? I guess the the first thing I'd want to say on this topic is just that Kevin Fiala was an RFA. Right. Like he, 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 and he wasn't going back to, to Minnesota. That's crazy. Last, last off season, he signed a one year deal to stay in Minnesota. Um, I'm assuming he just wanted another show me contract. He did it. He got traded. He, he got everything he wanted. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think the return Minnesota got for him actually a lot better than I think they would have got had they waited till after the draft. Okay. I think the 19th overall pick is a decent pick. Yeah. Like I think I think that's that's worth, it, especially for a player that didn't want to be there, right? Um, now, 
in terms of LA, Kevin Fiala is a good player. He's going to be a good player. However, you don't know how he's going to work with your team. Yeah. And so to give him a huge contract like that, to me, that just sets off the alerts, right? A little bit of a, I don't want to say Louis Erickson type thing, but. No, nothing like Louis Erickson. But Erickson, though, was, again, a 30-goal scorer who they thought was just a slam dunk line mate for the Sedins, right? And that's why they gave him the contract they gave him. Yeah, but but this is completely different, right? Like Kevin Fiala is much younger. He's uh, he's got a lot more potential to grow. He's never played anywhere but Nashville and Minnesota, where he was never looked at to be the guy. But making eight million dollars a year, I mean, you're if you're not the guy, you're up there with the guys, um, especially in LA, where like a lot of their aging players are going to be coming off their contracts somewhat soon and they're going to be looking to pivoting this into uh, their next cup window to me it's shocking because i i really didn't think la had this much cap flexibility to add a player to their roster like kevin fiala so we'll see though we'll see how it pans out i mean obviously they're stuck with it now um and you know he could surprise us and and be that eight million dollar player that that he signed to be yeah i could i could see that i mean He's put it this way. I, I think no matter how you slice it, the contract is steep. It, it's more than I think most people would look at him and say he's worth, right? It reminds me of like Seth Jones, right? Where it's like a great player, a great young player, but then traded and signed to a huge contract. Yeah. It's like, does that outweigh the fact that they're a young, great player? Yeah. It's it really what, what it's done it's is it's, bog them down. it's created problems for them in the future is probably what it's done, right? Like, at the beginning, it's going to be fine, you know? Well, hopefully, yeah. Well, you would think, right? According to the trajectory of most players, the beginning of this contract shouldn't be all that bad. The I guarantee you, after season one, there will be people saying, oh, this is a steal of a contract, forgetting that he's going to age and get injured and slowed down, and just life will happen to him. But he's young enough that he's going, like, he'll move into his prime with this contract. He will. He'll also move out of it with this contract. Uh, or he, he's, he'll be getting there. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think he's like 23. So He's 25. He's 25? Yeah. Yeah. So he'll be, yeah, okay, 32. Yeah. yeah. He'll be, so he'll this contract will take him through his prime. There you go. Yeah. It, it, it could be good. It could be good. We'll see. Um, I, again, I still think the beginning of it is going to look a lot better than the end of it. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, and we should also talk about what, um, Minnesota got here. They got the 19th overall pick, which as yeah. we said, is this is a good draft year. Like, well, it's yeah, we, we've talked about the draft enough. And yeah. Like, and like all the players we were talking about with the Canucks could very well be available for, for some of Minnesota. Them, yeah. yeah. Some of them could be available for Minnesota at, at 19 there. And then this Faber guy, I'd never heard of him that I have, I have no idea what he's like. Uh, Faber, honestly, I think was almost more of a throw in because he was born in Minnesota and played college hockey in Minnesota. Yeah. It sounds like he just wanted to play for the wild yeah. and Minnesota probably just, you know, they said, well, throw us a sweetener, yeah. right? We'll, we'll make this work, but we need something a little bit more. And they said, okay, how about a hometown kid who plays hockey there and wants to go there? Yeah. And they went, you found someone that wants to go to yeah. come here. It's, to me, it's like Minnesota has to quickly embrace the fact that they're like Buffalo, you know, where it's yeah. like, you need to find players like Alex Tuck that want to play where exactly. you are. Exactly. And and yeah, this guy could be one of those guys, but also he could turn out to be nothing. Yeah. yeah. It's just such a shame because I feel like 
Minnesota has this this uphill battle where it's like they're never going to get marquee free agents. The only way they're ever going to win a championship is through the draft. Yep. And it's like, like we've been saying this for years. It feels like my whole lifetime. The Minnesota Wild, they're always just good enough to not be bad enough. Yep. And it's like... And they, they might be changing that right now. They could be. But they just lost one of their best players in a, in a draft for futures. They or did. in a trade for futures. And it's like, you know, next year, unless they make another trade or a signing in the offseason, like, they're not going to be better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, and, like, look at their goalie situation. Like, yeah. they want, they, they're they're trying to convince Flurry to come back. That is how freaking bleak it is in Minnesota for goaltending. Like, to me, it's just sad because, like, I want to see parity in the NHL, but unfortunately with teams that are in Minnesota, Winnipeg, Buffalo, like, it's just, it's going to be nearly impossible. And they're going to have so many more years where they're bad than when they're good. Yeah, no, you're, you're not wrong there. I mean, that, that's been part of the uphill battle that all Canadian teams are facing, right? Not just Edmonton and Winnipeg because those are just miserable places to live, but all of Canada just because of the tax situations, right? It's like this glowing do not enter sign for players, right? Yeah. They don't want to give up half their salary. Yeah. Uh, that's just it. it. It's really tough that, you know, that plays a factor into it. Yeah. Y- you're not just going and looking, oh, oh, look at these random players that may be willing to come here, maybe not. They're, you know exactly why they're not willing to come there. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that rules out a lot of the bigger money guys because... The more money they make, the more money they lose, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, you're, you're totally right. They're still paying half their salary to taxes. Exactly. When you think about it, Connor McDavid, the highest played, the highest paid player in the NHL, is only actually coming home with about seven and a half mil. Yeah. Right? That's after taxes. Poor guy. I mean, <laughs> you're right. You don't feel too bad for him, but when you think, yeah, he could also have gotten drafted by Tampa Bay and be taking home double what he's taking home now, yeah. right? It's it's too bad that things work out that way. Okay, well, that whole rant aside, um, I think it's about time that we all get our commercial pilot licenses, hop in our planes, and nosedive into the inbox. It's such an aggressive sound effect. I know. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't know if I should, t- yeah, I don't know what to do to, about to, it. To people listening at home, it probably doesn't sound that aggressive to you, but like in studio, it's yeah, like it's so loud. So loud. There's so much bass involved. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, we have pretty nice headphones and equipment too. It is like listening to that in a movie theater with the volume <laughs> yeah, crank. The IMAX theater. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, my brain's still rattling from that. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Uh, what what do we got in the inbox? Well, we, we I don't want to do this. <laughs> okay, we, we we have we have a question from a listener here that is directed at me. Oh, should I ask the question then? Sure, here it is directed at you. Yeah, here you 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 take a look. Okay, let me take a look. Here. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, just, just read it the stupid says, and don't enjoy it. Hey, Marcus, do you finally believe in Kale McCarr after winning MVP? Or do you still think he's overrated? I told you not to enjoy it. (laughs) That's impossible. Now, I want to make one very clear distinction, okay? And that is that I have never once ever said that Kale McCarr is a bad defenseman. Ever. I have never said that. I have said I think he is overrated. I think people like him a little bit more than they need to, right? That Much like how I've said Austin Matthews is overrated. 
I'm not denying that he was the best goal scorer in the NHL at yeah, he won, the current moment. Won the heart. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean, right? Yeah. Like, he, he's very good. I just think that some people out there kind of over-exaggerate how good he is. That's all I'm saying. Do I still believe that that applies to Kale McCarr? Yes, to an extent. But will I take away that he was the best player in that series? I also won't take away the fact that he won the Norris and fucking bullshit. Would, would I have voted him uh, for the first, my first vote? Probably not. Would he have been in my top three? Yeah. You know, and, and that's just it. And here's wh- what I'll even say it, just to even take more of my own credibility away. He's the first player since they've tracked who gets to vote. There's 18 people who vote for the con Smythe, the uh, Stanley cup MVP. Mm-hmm. This is the first time since they've tracked who can vote on it that a player has won unanimously. Every single person who got you, you get a first, second, and third place vote. Every single voter voted him first place. Mm-hmm. That that has not happened since they've tracked that stat. So obviously, yes, he's a phenomenal defenseman. But he, Quinn Hughes is better. No, I'm <laughs> I'm not saying he's better. But I'm saying if they were just drafted by the opposite team and everything else went the same, there's going to be a lot more people than you'd think that are going to be trying to tell you that Quinn Hughes would be the better defenseman because he's on a better team surrounded by better players, yeah. right? We're talking yeah, about there's a, an argument there. We're talking about a player that has won one playoff series ever with his team mm-hmm. versus a player who got drafted to a team that just won the Stanley Cup. Right. Well, he was a big part of the reason why they oh, won the cup. He totally was. But do you think that if you put you swap his place with Quinn Hughes, you think that Quinn Hughes isn't going to help you? He's he's going to do crazy things for you too. But right now he can't because everyone around him, and I mean everyone around him, is a defensive liability. <laughs> he cannot take any risks at all. They've shown this a few times with McCarr taking like rushes up with the forwards. Yeah. Quinn Hughes can't do that. Not because he's incapable, because if he does and something goes wrong, you've got, I don't know, Brock Besser playing defense, <laughs> you know? So, so there you go. There, there's the answer to your question. No, Marcus does not take back what he said. <laughs> it, it depends on how you initially took right. what I said. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. We've got uh, one other question here from a listener. It says, Jake, are you happy for Kevin Fiala and Victor Arvidsson? Am I happy for them? Yeah. Um, I mean, they were line mates in Nashville, were they not? Uh, not really. Oh, no? No. Uh, Victor Arvidsson was on the Jofa line. So it was Ryan ah. Johansson, Philip Forsberg, and Victor Arvidsson. That's a um, hilarious line name, by the way. The <laughs> Jofa line. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Well, in about a week, there's only going to be one player from that line left on the team. It's so. just going to be the Joe line. Yeah. Anyway, let's not dwell on that too much. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that those are two guys that had similar roles when they were on the Preds together, just on different lines. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm, I look forward to them hopefully being able to play together because I think they would also make a really high-energy, high-impact line together with, I'm thinking, maybe, like, Quentin Byfield. Ooh, like, okay. I think I think he'd be an interesting player on that line, too. But no matter what they do, I mean, LA's got got some really cool players. 
that they can they can move around and they can develop with. So ultimately, I think it's going to make for an interesting team to watch this year. But I don't know if they make the playoffs again. I think that there's going to be too much competition in the in the Pacific, and I don't know if they make it. I think Anaheim's going to have a better year. I think the Canucks are certainly going to have a better year. I think Calgary is going to come back with a absolute vengeance. Um, yeah. I think Auto. Uh, sorry, I think Edmonton. They're going to have a good year as well. Did you say Vegas yet? Uh, no, I haven't even touched on Vegas. Vegas yeah. is. They're not missing the playoffs again. Um, assuming that they can get some some, yeah. some things you're, you're sorted pr- you're out. You're probably right? right. If they don't get face the injury troubles that they did again. There's just there's a lot of variables that I think have to go right for for uh, LA to make the playoffs again, but I don't think adding Fiala to that group makes it any harder than it was last year. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Also, just on, on that note, just of teams getting better, I, I wanted to bring this up earlier, but I didn't get a chance. Uh, you're familiar with the Instagram account NHL Trash Talkers? Of course. Uh, so he is a funny enough. This is so like, this could have been anything, but it happened to be this. He is a huge Preds fan mm-hmm. and he hates the Canucks. <laughs> like he, he taught, he is open about that. He doesn't hide it. Like he's admitted that. Yeah. He has said, or he was asked, he did a Q and a, I guess a while ago and was asked of all the non-playoff teams this year, which team do you think has the biggest bounce back next year? His answer was the Canucks. And like he even said, like regretfully, Vancouver. So j- just on the topic of you saying who's going to maybe be better next year, whatever. There's there's cause for optimism in Vancouver next season. Ugh. That being said, they're going to be a very different team. That makes me sick. There's, there's, they're going to be a different team, right? They're not going to have JT Miller, and that's that's big. Yeah. They're so. looking at possibly no more Garland, no more Besser. They're yeah. looking at a lot of yeah. changes. Yeah. But honestly, like, great. Shuffle up the forwards all you want. It's the defense you got to worry about. Yeah. Well, that's kind of bringing us to the end here. But, uh, you know, usually around now, Tyler would do his surprise headline. And uh, while we don't have a surprise headline, I do have something that's, we'll call it a Marcus's surprise headline, which I that hate. Doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me either. How about a, uh, what the hell was that? How about it? let's call it a Marcus murmur. Um, fine. I, we have a Marcus murmur, <laughs> which, you know what? I, I do want to explain that. Okay. So the reason these exist is because for the first like year of doing the podcast, Jake did all the editing. <laughs> I didn't know how Tyler still doesn't know how Jake did all of it. And he had this folder on his laptop. Have you, you still have it. Great. <laughs> a folder called Marcus murmurs. And this is a compilation of things that he would edit out of podcasts, which is just me either false starting sentences. Oh, some of them are so funny. Or like, or just like not being able to form a complete sentence correctly. And it's like, I'll admit, I do it probably more than either of you or Tyler. But just anyway, the folders called Marcus Murmurs. I've obviously heard them a few times by now. And they, they are quite funny. Yeah. I think the best one is still me trying to explain something <laughs> really, really poorly. And like, no one should have known what I was talking about, but somehow Tyler yeah. did. I was like, uh, you, you know, um, 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 and, and then Tyler is like, Minnesota. And you go, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, exactly. He gets it. But yeah. Yeah. And you, and you were even sitting there like, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, but anyway, it, anyway Marcus so murmurs. we have a Marcus murmur, but this isn't really a real Marcus murmur. This is just something I, I wanted to bring up that's kind of a headline-ish thing. Okay. So this came out, or has resurfaced, I guess, since the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. A quote from Matt Duchesne from when he was traded from Colorado, or when he requested, demanded a trade, I guess. His exact quote was, I made this decision because I want to compete for a Stanley Cup. That was in 2017, which mm-hmm. was, was I forget if that was the year or the year after they had that like historically terrible year where they were like, they the, bottomed out in the league. Okay. They, they, the 2017 draft was when they took Kale McCarr and that was the pick they got from their historically bad season. That's right. That's right. And then I forget when Duchesne, well, Duchesne was traded the November after that draft. Right. Okay. So it, it was in 2017 then that that quote was from. Yeah. But he said, I, I'm, I'm doing this for my career because I want to win a Stanley Cup. It, implying that Colorado wouldn't. And now right. he's in Nashville. Wait, and what I think rubs just even a little more salt in the wound. It, well, other than the fact that every other team he's gone to has not done well. Well, Columbus swept Tampa in 2019. And that was impressive. Yeah. Okay. That's true. However, uh, this team that he left because he wanted to win a Stanley Cup swept him in the first round en route to a Stanley Cup. I can tell Jake is loving these Marcus murmurs. Should we keep this segment? Absolutely not. No? In fact, we'll just blank out everything you just said and put in a real Marcus murmur. Okay. (laughs) You know what? We'll add one in right here. Oh, like they... And Rantanen? That's what I mean. There you go. Did you guys enjoy that? (laughs) Yeah. It's weird in studio, just going right here, and then looking at each other in silence for a while. <laughs> yeah. So I know in the future when I'm editing where to put it in. Exactly. Anyway, I think that will have to do it for this episode. That it might. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys, everyone, so much for listening. Uh, once again, if you're looking to uh, contact us about any serious inquiries, which I'm sure you have a lot of by now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like what the hell is going on? Yeah, what is Where's a Where's Tyler? Yeah, that, that is... A, <laughs> I come here to listen to Tyler. That's a very acceptable email, actually. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll get back to you on yeah. that. We might forward that to the complaints department, but... <laughs> yeah, we, which is also Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's Tyler? I'm right here. <laughs> Um, anyway, you can, uh, shoot us an email at Vancouver boys podcast at iCloud.com. Alternatively, you can find us all across social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube at Vancouver boys podcast. And if you are still looking for Tyler, you can find him on Twitter <laughs> at Vancouver boys underscore. Anyway, thank you once again for joining us in this Stanley cup final recap draft preview episode impromptu (laughs) impromptu because we forgot uh of the vancouver boys podcast thanks for hanging out with us see you on the next one marcus murmur Mm -hmm. well yeah but uh carolina hurricanes that's how we're ending it eh yeah (laughs) all right all right peace out